And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The 53-man roster is set. David Lombardi, Matt Barrows here with you. And today's always a big day stepping toward the regular season, Matt. But you do have to emphasize that it is not the final 53-man roster. Far from it. It is the first one. And there are going to be many, many permutations of this roster that are delivered throughout the course of the year. But the first one is always key because it really gives us insight into the 49ers thinking. And we projected this roster for a while. We were, you know, going back and forth, haggling over who'd be where and and who'd probably be a practice squad player. And we got it essentially right, Matt. So I'd have to say that, that this year's roster for the 49ers didn't feature too many big shocks, right? There are a couple mild surprises for us because obviously we would have been 100% right with this, but no huge shocks. And now the 49ers can turn to building their 16-man practice squad and moving forward toward the September 10th season opener against Pittsburgh. Yeah, and um, a couple of additions. It's going to change tomorrow, in fact. Uh, They're going to sign Kerry Heider and Austin Bryant to the defensive line. And, um, I mean, I think they're going to have to add a kicker, too, at some point. They had a couple of tryouts on Monday, uh, Tristan Viscaino and Taylor Russolino. And then there, of course, were all sorts of kicker cuts today, including Brett Maher. And um, I wonder whether he might be the, the early season solution for this team if Jake Moody can't play in – in Pittsburgh or in LA the next week, it might be someone like Maher who's, uh, who's brought in on a, on a temporary basis until Moody is a hundred percent. So yeah, you're right. This is going to be a a roster that changes quite a bit and it's going to, it's going to change starting on, uh, on Wednesday. And that practice squad is going to be an important extension of the roster because the, the way the NFL rules are set up now, you can get, up to two games from somebody on the practice squad as activations to the active roster. I think especially at the receiver position, it's going to be significant because Danny Gray and Ray Ray McLeod are expected to be hurt through week one. So we'll see who the 49ers bring back there. But let's talk about this position by position. And, you know, we could start with quarterback where there was a tiny question. It wasn't a big one, but there was a tiny question following the Trey Lance trade regarding Brandon Allen. The 49ers... Could have tried to, to cheat the system a little bit and bring back Brandon Allen as the practice squad guy to open up a roster spot elsewhere. But I think that would have just proven to be too risky. Allen's been a number two before. And the 49ers also wanted to utilize the new emergency quarterback rule. And to utilize that to have that emergency, emergency third quarterback available uh, without counting against the 48-man roster, which is the game day roster, he has to be on the 53-man. So... Quarterback room was straightforward. Purdy, Darnold, Brandon Allen as the number three. Then we move to the running back room where the 49ers also operated in straightforward fashion. Four running backs, one fullback. So McCaffrey, Mitchell, Davis Price, Jordan Mason, plus Kyle Juszczyk. 
But uh, Matt, the the running back slash fullback position is the first place where a cut happened, where the 49ers might have to sweat it out a bit on the waiver wire over the course of the next 24 hours. And that was Jack Coletto, the, the rookie fullback, who is now on the waiver wire, and the 49ers definitely want to get him back. Yeah, and that uh, leads us right into one of our questions from Ryan T. He asked, do you anticipate the 49ers losing any particular players who are waived and that they're hoping to sign to the practice squad. Yeah. Coletto would be uh, one at the top of the list. And then uh, Deshaun Jameson, the cornerback would be the other one who, who jumps out. Um, if you go back to April, uh, the 40, 49ers were one of six teams looking to sign Coletto. The others were the, uh, the Jets and Dolphins who run very similar offenses. Uh, I don't know. Haven't looked to see what their fullback situation is in, in New York and Miami. Uh, but uh, those two teams were looking at Coletto as a fullback, uh, the same as the 49ers were. So that would be an easy fit for one of those squads. Um, of, of course, you know, th- those teams would have to put him on the 53-man roster. So that's what the 49ers are betting on. No one's uh, willing to put Coletto on while he's still sort of developing as a uh, – as a fullback, uh, the other teams were my memory serves the Broncos, the Seahawks, who really liked him as sort of the uh, the special teamer, the 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 latter day Nick Bellore type, uh, and then the Chiefs, who are always creative with uh, H backs, fullbacks, tight end. They they saw him as a sort of a weapon. Uh, so, I mean, uh, I don't know what the situations are in all those, all those places. I mean, that's the bottom line of cut down days that teams are scrambling to, um, you know, uh, get all the guys that they liked in camp back somehow. So, uh, outsiders are, are hard to pick up. Um, but, uh, that's the situation for Jack Leto. And I wonder whether there might be a spot for another tailback too. Um, the 49ers didn't keep either of their undrafted guys, which is uh, uncharacteristic of them. So both Ronald Awat and Kalen LeBourne uh, were let go earlier. Um, I don't know if there's a running back out there that they would like to to kind of pick up and just have on the practice squad as a uh, scout team guy and as somebody that they could bring up if there are a slew of injuries there. Moving on to the wide receiver room. The 49ers took six. Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Jawan Jennings, Ronnie Bell, Danny Gray, and Ray Ray McLeod. I mentioned Gray and McLeod. Currently hurt. So this is where the practice squad gets very interesting. I think they want Tay Martin on the practice squad. Are they waived today? Willie Sneed, uh, a vested veteran who was released. He was on the practice squad last year. I could see the 49ers bringing him back. Isaiah Winstead, uh, that's certainly a possibility. He was waived today. That was the rookie receiver out of East Carolina. It was discovered, it seemed, via social media. No, nobody uh, drafted him, and then nobody was signing him, and then all of a sudden uh, a video of his went viral on social media, and then the 49ers signed him shortly thereafter, although the 49ers swear that, that, that they knew about him before then, but still, pretty cool story. But Isaiah Winstead was waived today. We'll see if the 49ers are able to bring him back tomorrow. Then there's Chris Conley, the veteran. Suffered a shoulder injury, but I think he's already cleared from that shoulder injury. It was, it was a minor shoulder injury in week three of the preseason. Had a good preseason. Uh, those are all options for the 49ers to bring back on the practice squad and then use as early activations in case Gray 
and Ray Ray McLeod can't come back. But I think that the main story in the receiver room, Matt, is Ronnie Bell. Uh, he forced his way onto this football team with that uh, after-contact ability because he, he wasn't perfect. He, he dropped a couple passes that turned into interceptions, and he fumbled once in the preseason. But he just popped off the tape in, in such a way, in such a style that obviously Kyle Shanahan loves to see after the catch that I think he forced his way onto this roster. Yeah, Chris Kay notes, Winstead is Jennings' replacement next year. Very underrated guy. Uh, it's a good call as far as size and strength. I mean, I think Winstead, forget what his uh, what he bench-pressed, but it was, you know, a, uh, a, a high amount for a wide receiver, what you'd normally see from, like, a defensive lineman or something like that. So he's built. He's got a good catch radius. He's physical. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good call. Um, I don't know if Jennings is going to be gone next year. I think he's a restricted free agent, but um, you know that's a that's a type of receiver that the 49ers like, and um, I think he's a, a definite possibility for the practice squad. And then everybody that that David just noted, um, you know, especially the the two veterans, um, Conley and Sneed, would seem to be good guys for the practice squad that you could bring up and rely on. Sneed, notably. Uh, can return punts, and uh, that's a big deal now. Um, no Ray, Ray Ray McLeod probably for at least Pittsburgh and and maybe the Rams. Um, so you've got Bell back there, and then after Bell, Ayuk um, can do it, of course. Uh, we've even been seeing Kyle Juszczyk, uh take a lot of uh, of reps, just uh, kind of on a on a lark in in. Uh, in practices, but uh, nobody that you would want to be doing it regularly if Bell somehow couldn't do it. So um, Sneed would be a, a very logical guy to bring up um, after that. All right, moving over to the tight ends. They took four. I said death taxes and Kyle Shanahan carrying four tight ends on his 53-man roster. It, it always happens, and he always goes to reliability. And he has reliability behind George Kittle and Charlie Werner and Ross Dwelly. Those are two veterans who've been around for a few years. So it's Kittle, Werner, and Dwelly as the first three. And then Braden Willis, the 49ers' seventh-round pick, he's probably a little bit further along from being ready for consistent uh, offensive contributions. But they can get maybe some special teams contributions early on from him. And he obviously impressed them enough to make the 53-man roster out of the seventh round. Somebody who was much iffier, we thought, while watching the preseason was uh, Cameron Latu, the third-round pick, who dropped a lot of passes, had the fumble against the Raiders. But Latu suffered a meniscus injury in week three of the preseason against the Chargers, and he might need surgery. So the 49ers decided to just redshirt Cameron Latu. They had the opportunity. They stuck him on injured reserve. If you don't make the 53-man roster but you are on IR – that means that you're done for the season. You can't come back to the football team this year. So Cameron Latu uh, will have to sit, but he'll probably learn the playbook behind the scenes. They say that a lot of the drop issues, the speculation was that it was because his, his head was swimming in the playbook. I guess he had similar problems at Alabama. So he won't be able, allowed to practice this year, but Cameron Latu will be allowed to uh, learn that playbook and just get more familiar with the NFL system. They also released Troy Fumagalli out of that tight end room. He could be somebody they bring back to the practice squad or re-sign later in the year as a veteran who they're familiar with in that tight end room, Matt. 
Yeah, so the bottom line is that uh, in, in this year, remember the draft was like the deepest tight end draft in recent memory. 49ers essentially have the same tight end room that they had last year. Uh, Braden Willis is different, of course, uh, but as you noted, uh, I, I don't know how much uh, playing time he's going to get early on. So essentially, you're still, you still got Kittle, Dwelly, and Charlie Warner, and you don't have Tyler Croft was basically their number two last year so you could you could make an argument that they are not as good at tight end this year as they were a year ago now the future i think looks bright with latu and and willis and we should note that latu seemed to be kind of climbing out of his uh his mid-august funk that he was in starting to get it and, and he was definitely physical and a big guy and a good blocker so i think that um, going forward, they're going to be very content with him, especially as that Tyler Croft guy. It's a better version of Croft, really, if, if everything works out right for him. A guy who can play on the end of the line and um, is, is much more dangerous as a pass catcher, um, faster than Tyler Croft was. So, um, But yeah, for 2023, gee, it doesn't, doesn't look any better. And um, I think you could even argue that it's a little worse. Um, I did have one question. Trying to find it now. I lost it. Um, that somebody asked about wide receivers. Um, oh, it's from Matt W. He says, do you think Gray and McLeod get put on IR tomorrow? David, why don't you you answer that? So the, the contextual clues here, the 49ers are going to need to put at least two guys on IR, since Kerry Hyder Jr. and Austin Bryant are going to be re-signing with the team tomorrow. Those were just procedural cuts. So if you just look at the roster numbers, one of those two IR designations is almost certainly going to have to come from the defensive line room to make room for Hyder and Bryant, both of whom are healthy. So we're guessing Robert Beal Jr. from the defensive line room is going to be one of the IR spots. And then, yeah, there has to be another one from somewhere else in the football team. Uh, I don't know how serious Jake Moody's injury is. It, it could be Jake Moody and the 49ers could add a kicker because our Diana Rossini reported that the 49ers were looking to trade for a kicker today, that, that, that they were involved in calls for a kicker. Diana Rossini, by the way, now works for The Athletic and does a great job, so you can give her a, a follow. So. Uh, that that confused me a little bit, but we'll see how that proceeds. Moody's obviously dealing with the quad strain. A couple other players are hurt. There's Talano Hufanga. He's got the knee issue. Kyle Shanahan thought that'd be a day-to-day thing. But when we started looking up a Baker's cyst, then it's commonly linked to, to meniscus damage, which could be something longer for Talano Hufanga. I don't want to alarm people, but it but it's possible. Dre Greenlaw has been bothered by the hamstring for a while. Jordan Mason's got a foot sprain. And then obviously you've got Gray with the broken wrist and McLeod. Uh, uh, McLeod with the broken wrist and uh, Gray. What does Gray have, a shoulder, Matt? Yeah, I think it's a shoulder. So um, I think McLeod initially was supposed to be eight weeks, which coincided with a potential IR stint. But he's working to get back quicker. So there's nothing guaranteed here. So whoever they do place on IR tomorrow is going to give us a lot better idea of uh, the the health return to play timelines for a lot of players. But I'm almost sure that the defensive linemen will be one of them just because the 49ers can't bring back two. Oh, they can. Theoretically, they can. They would have, what, 11 defensive linemen, not counting 
uh, Nick Bosa, who's, who's still on the reserve list. But I, I think that's a bit overkill on the D-line front. So I think when Hyder and Bryant come back, uh, Matt, one of the, the players of the 49ers um, put on IR tomorrow will be a defensive lineman. Yeah, uh, Danny Gray has basically the same injury that George Odom has, a, a shoulder sprain. And Odom was back on Monday. He was in a non-contact jersey. And he seems to have a, a at least a shot at being ready in week one. And, and Gray was injured exactly one week after Odom was. Uh, so um, I would think that Gray probably misses two, maybe three weeks. Um, that's, but not, not beyond that. So that's, that's where he stands. Um, let's look at the offensive line. They've got nine guys there. Uh, Trent Williams, Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, Spencer Burford, Colton McKivitz, Jalen Moore, Matt Pryor. So two, um, uh, backup tackles. One guy's a left tackle exclusively. One guy's a right tackle exclusively. Uh, John Feliciano, who's going to be the backup at, at center and guard. And then the guy who's gotten a lot of questions on our chat here, Nick Zakel. Um, David, did that surprise you that Zakel gets this ninth roster spot given uh, the way he played in the preseason and, and really given the way that he looked uh, um, in training camp as well? well? I guess technically it's a surprise because we had Zakel on the outside looking in, but we also waffled on that one and at practice last week, we saw when Aaron Banks cramped up at left guard, the first 49ers substitute in was Nick Zakel, which I don't think is going to happen on game days. I think John Feliciano is going to be the top option to fill in at left guard, center, or right guard, all three of those interior spots. But uh, it, it did that did show us that the 49ers were, were serious about Nick Zakel, the progress that he has made. And obviously, he hasn't been close to a perfect player yet, but, but he's one of the players who's, who's remade his body. Uh, cut a lot of weight, and uh, I, you know the the 49ers were thrilled with his off season. And you also have to look at his history. He was terrible earlier in his high school career and turned into a really good player. He was terrible early in his college career at Fordham and turned into a great player. And the 49ers think that he's just on a rapid, rapid learning curve right now. And that's why they they th- you know there's a dearth of quality offensive linemen in the NFL, they think that other teams have gathered the same thoughts about Nick Zakel's trajectory, and they, they believe that if they waived him, he'd get snapped up somewhere else. They didn't want to risk that. So they think that Zakel's on the right track. It, he is definitely the developmental stash on that 53-man roster amongst the nine offensive linemen because Jalen Moore and uh, because John Feliciano is going to be going to be that top interior reserve. So I mean, technically, we're surprised, but in actuality, are we? I, I don't really think so. I think that this one could have gone either way, and the 49ers erred on the side of caution in keeping Nick Zakel. Yeah, I mean, we, we had him on one of our early iterations of the 53-man roster. He was one of the, the last guys we cut. I mean, it, but you're right. It goes to, you know, uh, it speaks to the, the lack of depth around the league. Um, and, and especially, um, at, at center for the 49ers. I mean, he's the backup, backup center. Uh, he would come in if somehow the 49ers lost, uh, uh, Brendel Feliciano in one game. And, uh, in that way, I bet, um, I bet, uh, Keith Ismail, uh, makes the, 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 the practice squad just because he can do it as well. So, 
49ers do not want a repeat of 2020 when they literally ran out of centers and were kind of uh, scouring the streets for guys who could play that. So um, that's where that stands. Let's uh, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. A lot of people here uh, want Nick Bosa news, and I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed. Um, the 49ers defensive line right now, eight people deep. Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave, Cleveland Furl, uh, Javon Kinlaw, Drake Jackson, Kevin Givens, Kalia Davis, and Robert Beal. No Bosa. He's not signed. He's on a reserve list. Um, I haven't heard anything about uh, a deal being imminent. And Justin W. asks you, David, Lombardi, are you trading Bosa if he's putting his foot down at $35 million average per year? Are you going to cut Nick Bosa, David, if he asks for that amount? Well, uh, I, I, that's a rather wild hypothetical. $35 million per year, that's that's higher than Aaron Donald by Two point three million per year. I, yeah, I think any if, if Bosa comes and says that he's not going to play unless he's making thirty five or forty million per year, that that changes every conversation because that's an unreasonable demand. I think the question right now, based on the tea leaves that we're reading, is does Nick Bosa surpass Aaron Donald or not? And Donald's at thirty one point seven million per year. So TJ Watts at 28 million per, Donald's at 31.7 million per, Watts the highest paid edge rusher, Donald's the highest defensive uh, highest paid defensive player period. It, based on what Ian Rappaport said the other day, the 49ers have an offer that would would make Nick Bosa the highest paid edge rusher, so that's somewhere in between 28 and 31.7. Uh, I'm just again, I'm just filling in the blanks here. He didn't report this, but I'm guessing that the sticking point would be either getting the APY above Aaron Donald's or fully guaranteed money or a combination of both. But once you start talking 35, 36, 40 million, well, of course not. Of course, uh, I mean, the, the 49ers would be right to, to just laugh at that kind of demand because uh, it would skew the market in, in a way that it, that it doesn't get skewed. So Nick Bosa, I think, has every right to, to – ask for the 49ers to edge out Aaron Donald's deal, considering the fact that he's a defensive player of the year. He's an edge rusher, um, considering the impact that he's, he's shown for the 49ers. But um, it, it doesn't seem like it would be really smart negotiating process for Nick Bosa to go out there and demand $35 million a year, unless he wants out of San Francisco, unless he you know has, is tired of playing for the 49ers and um, just wants to say something ridiculous, then yeah, he could die on that hill. But I, I highly, highly doubt that's happening. Well, why not? Why, why can't the 49ers just, uh, I know uh, you don't work for the 49ers, but 31.7 is the number. Why can't they just offer 32 and just kind of wipe their hands of the whole thing? Is, is 32 uh, APY untenable for future years? Well, that's you can make thirty-two tenable if there were no other restrictions on the contract by just adding funny money at the end. But that's where the total guaranteed money and the fully guaranteed money comes in. And obviously, we're not privy to those discussions. But Brian Arault, who's Nick Bosa's agent, is going to want thirty. For example, if he wants thirty-two million per year, he's going to want a legitimate thirty-two million per year, and it's going to have to be structured. Uh, in, in you know, in a way that that satisfies Nick Bosa's camp, but at the same time, the 49ers need to make sure 
that whatever they give Nick Bosa fits into their salary cap situation. They currently have, and and the, the issue is not this year. This year, by the way, I just added up the 49ers 53-man roster plus their projected practice squad. They're only going to have about $1 million of salary cap space left this year. When Nick Bosa signs, it'll almost certainly open up money that the 49ers will need. So for the intents and purposes of 2023, 49ers do need Nick Bosa to, to sign because it frees up money this year but pushes it later. But the issue is 2024. They've got $263 million in liabilities now in 2024. And over the cap has the, the cap projected to be only $256 million next season. So the 49ers already cut some fat with Trey Lance. They were able to get a good 5 to $6 million off the books for 2024. So they're working down toward that $256 million projected number, but they're not quite there yet. And Bosa's deal isn't even on the books yet. And 2024 is probably when it's going to start taking a little bit bigger of a cap hit. Um, they could do other tricks to push that money back to 2025. But again, it has to be favorable to Bosa's camp. So I think that both sides are digging in hard here. The 49ers are saying every million matters because of this really crowded cap situation. They want to be able to keep the rest of the team together, even after they execute this deal. And Bosa's saying, well, every million matters to me, too because I'm the defensive player of the year and, and I'm worth a whole lot to the 49ers. This might be my only chance to cash out. Uh, I liken it to a game of chicken or a, I mean, it's not really a game of chicken. It's just two drivers playing chicken. They're driving straight at each other. Uh, obviously, nobody wants to crash because that, that hurts both parties. But the question is, who's going to swerve first? And I don't think that they're at that spot yet where they're going to crash, but they're getting closer and closer. And people start getting hurt by this, or the team starts getting hurt by this, if Bosa's not back by week one against the Steelers. If he's not back by week one, the 49ers miss out on an impact player. And Bosa, who's making about $18 million a year this year based on his current contract, he would start missing out on $1 million per week. He would, you know, An 18th of that salary per week would go away. So I don't think anybody is incentivized for it to get to that point, which is why that seems like the hard deadline that being said, um, you know, maybe maybe Bosa does want to push this past week one because maybe he does feel like he has ultimate leverage over the 49ers. It, it becomes a question, Matt, of uh, who needs the other party more? Does Nick Bosa need the 49ers more than the 49ers need him, or is it the other way around? One more Nick Bosa question. Uh, let, let's say it is, you know, a, uh, you know largely a, a 32 uh, million dollar APY and next year is difficult. I mean, do you, do you see this um, getting to a point where they're going to have to cut a prominent player, a George Kittle, a Debo Samuel, somebody of that um, ilk in order to make this deal go through? I mean, that, that's been a negotiating tactic by the 49ers in, in years past to say, okay, we need you to give us a little bit here um, so that we can build this great team around you. We can afford the, the pieces, um, uh, you know, the teammates. And do, do you think it's going to get to a point where somebody prominent has to be cut? Yeah, well, they're right up against the margin. So what I think is going to happen is the 49ers are going to evaluate all their options after this season, and they're going to see 
you know, which, which players are, are worth a, a double down investment in and, and which ones aren't. So if Debo Samuel has a huge year. I think you'd be out of your mind to, to give up Debo Samuel. If George Kittle continues playing really well, you're probably going to want to keep him. Because to get under the cap in 2024, the way it's looking like right now, they're going to have to execute some restructures, right? Um, but we know that you, you only have so many of those before you, you enter cap hell like the Rams did and they had to start cutting players. I think the 49ers are still in a potentially sustainable spot, but they're going to have to pick and choose where they double down. All right, we've got a good question here from KDM. Uh, he, she writes, uh, Run D worries me based on the preseason. Is Kalia Davis the answer as a run stuffer? Uh, and I'd say no. He's more of a penetrator. And that's a, that's a problem for the 49ers because they've got a lot of guys like that. Um, to me, the, I, I agree that the run defense was – uh, a, a big concern in the preseason. It seemed to be mostly, though, the second-team defensive line. And that's uh, that was Kevin Givens and uh, Javon Kinlaw in the middle there. And Kinlaw, for all of his talk about you know getting better at leverage, uh, was getting moved out of that um, uh, the middle of the defense way too easily for somebody his size. Uh, obviously, that was a a problem in the NFC Championship as well. Um, it's not uh, Kevin Gibbons' game either. He's more of a penetrator. Um, uh, I think Eric Armstead probably is the best at that among the 49ers, just kind of keeping his ground, being able to take on double teams and gum up the uh, interior. But if I'm uh, an offense and I'm playing the 49ers, that's exactly how I attack that defense. They up the gut, run game, and a lot of quick passes. And uh, – I wonder whether that's going to be what the Steelers the, and every other opponent on the uh, schedule do this year. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. My main point, I think, after I cut out, just to wrap that up in case people are confused, 
was is that the 49ers really won't know who to keep and who to um, cut or you know who to restructure until and they shouldn't make decisions on this they shouldn't know until after this season you've got to make the decisions based on the latest information and the latest data points are going to be collected coming up this season anyway so we, we just talked about the defensive line why don't we move on to the linebackers 49ers took six of them on this 53-man roster as expected because they've got a couple young studs and d winters and Jalen Graham. They also had to take Demetrius Flanagan Foles because he, I mean, if you're going to carry two rookies, no matter how impressive they've been, they're not quite ready, I think, for the prime time. Flanagan Foles is a good depth piece for the 49ers who also plays well on special teams, had a big guarantee, would have been $1.25 million in dead money to cut Foles. So that that really convinced us that he was going to be on the inside of this roster picture. He's also been playing well in training camp. So it's those three guys, winners, Flanagan Foles, Jalen Graham, and then the, the top three, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, and Oren Burks. You know, aside from the fact those rookies have been really impressive, Matt, I think my kind of overarching take on this is that this is very, very clearly the best linebacker room in the league. Yeah, and um, they managed that while doing a bit of a reset as well. They've got two really good-looking uh, rookies there and D. Winters and Jalen Graham. I mean, they're... They're really a rookie version of uh, of Warner and Greenlaw, just uh, based on the positions that they play and, and how they a- approach their positions. So that's uh, that's an, an area of strength. Um, Marcelino McCrary Ball was cut. He could have easily made this team. Um, I think he's definitely going to be back on the practice squad. I think Curtis Robinson could be back as well. He's a he's a good special teamer for them. Um, if they run into issues there, he could be a guy that they. They bring up at least for a week or two as well. So this is an area of strength. Uh, Fred Warner was um, really good, really prominent uh, throughout the, uh, uh, the the summer in training camp. Uh, just the, the voice that you always heard, the guy who didn't take a day off. Um, so that's, uh, that's the area of strength. He's really become their, their spokesperson. Uh, which is really interesting. I mean, they, they going back to 2017, they used that uh, first-round pick on Ruben Foster, hoping that he's going to be their Mike linebacker for the next 10 years. Uh, the next year, they sort of, uh, I don't want to say take a gamble, but, um, you know, they draft uh, Warner, who's uh, basically a big nickel cornerback. Uh, uh, he's a linebacker-sized guy playing nickel cornerback. And they say, hey, can you play middle linebacker? And here we are a few years later, a couple of Pro Bowls later, uh, an All-Pro later, and uh, he really is the uh, the heart and the brain of that defense. So that was uh, that's sort of a theme for the 49ers. <laughs> they cover up some pretty big um, first-round rifts with uh, sort of these mid-round and late-round guys. Absolutely, and it's all about the portfolio on the aggregate, right? They, they they haven't been bogged down into worrying about failures on individual stocks. They've been worried more about the big picture, and that's how you end up insulated against catastrophe when something like the Trey Lance pick doesn't go right. You know, it's funny. We were all saying back in 2021 that the Trey Lance pick would define this 49ers regime, well, all indicators are that it won't define this regime, which is crazy to think about, which just shows you 
how much talent there is on this roster. The fact that you can trade away that much draft capital for a quarterback, move off of a, of a good quarterback before him in Jimmy Garoppolo and still not be defined by that move, which failed for the 49ers. Trey Lance is now a cowboy. Um, that's a testament to the rest of the roster. Anyway, um, moving on, let's go on to the cornerback room. Uh, Charvarius Ward, Ambry Thomas, Diomedo Lenore, Samuel Womack III, and Isaiah Oliver. Uh, this went the way that the 49ers said that it was going to go. There, there was no misdirection. I think a lot of people didn't trust Steve Wilkes when he was saying, oh, yeah, Isaiah Oliver, Diomedo Lenore, we're going to use both of them. Uh, people were saying, oh, maybe they're trying to trade Oliver. Maybe they're going to cut him. It, you know, it, it wouldn't have been very efficient to cut him. He... He uh, did command some guaranteed money. It wasn't a huge contract. They're planning for him to be their starting nickel. That's obviously no longer the plan, but it, it does seem like they're going to give it a go with this specialization at the position, Matt, meaning Oliver is 205 to 210 pounds. They like his bigger bodies against tight ends and big slots, and I know that there's a lot of that in the league now, especially, especially since Shanahan has popularized it. I think there's a lot of copycats around the league running the big slot with the tight end and the slot, kind of like the 49ers have used Kittle over the years. And, and then, but, but you need a shiftier, quicker corner to move inside to cover Cooper Cup, who lines up on the inside, to cover Tyler Lockett, who lines up on the inside. And I think that's where Demo Lenore moving into the slot on those nickel situations works, right? And it's only made possible by the fact that Ambry Thomas and Samuel Womack III both had good camps. I think that Ambry has the leg up, but he can play that outside spot opposite Charvarius Ward uh, for the 49ers when Demo Lenore slides inside. Yeah, my, my issue with that is that they, they waited so long to sort of make that decision. I mean, it was, uh, you know, three weeks to go before the, the regular season began when they started experimenting with these different nickel cornerback iterations. Um, and, and both those guys have done it. Um, uh, but not to a big degree when it comes to Lenore. He, he played uh, extensively. He played three games early last season at nickel cornerback, um, you know, and got really mixed grades. I mean, one of those games was a game in which Cooper Cup was targeted 19 times. <laughs> it's a huge number. I think he caught 14 of those, uh, maybe 122. 49ers won that game pretty handily. That was the, the Christian McCaffrey game where he – uh, ran uh, through and uh, had a receiving touchdown. Uh, but my point is that, you know, it, it, that that's that's a tough ask to, for a young guy, Diamador Lenore, still uh, early in his career, to have him play outside all of the offseason and most of training camp and then say, oh, by the way, we're going to have you play inside quite a bit too, um, you know, as well as your regular duty as an outside cornerback. So I, I don't know. It just seems like, Boy, that was an awfully big uh, change late in the game, and uh, I, I gotta wonder whether that's gonna come back to uh, to haunt them at some point this year. Uh, the other big news here is that a guy, and this is the guy that when you and I did our fifty-three man projection the other day, and I and I kind of looked it over. I'm like, oh boy, we're gonna we're gonna miss on Deshaun Jameson. He's gonna make this team, and we have him off. But it turns out we were right. Um, he didn't make the team, but I'm still surprised a bit just because he was so good and so consistently good. Um, you know, he had a, a PBU 
um, per practice, it seemed like. I mean, he was very sticky, never gave wide receivers very much room. Um, you know, I wonder whether they had had him at nickel cornerback from the get-go. They played him on the outside, basically, all of uh, all of the spring and summer. If they had made that decision to play this guy, uh, Deshaun Jameson, who reminds me a lot of Kwan Williams, if they had had him playing nickel from the offset, maybe that could have been the arrangement that Isaiah Oliver plays against the tight ends and the big slot, uh, big slot receivers. And then Jamison comes in and plays the uh, the smaller, shiftier guys. That seems to be his strength. Um, I, I'm sure the 49ers are hoping very much that he makes it to the practice squad. He probably will, uh, but it's still a bit of a risk on a guy who just kind of did everything right. I feel like you need to kind of reward those guys uh, as a signal to the rest of the team. And, uh, you know, maybe the 49ers were so loaded that couldn't happen, but that, that, that seems like it could be an oversight to me. Yeah, so I think that the initial plan for Deshaun Jameson was based on the fact they didn't have as much confidence in Ambry Thomas, right? Because Ambry Thomas had been MIA last season. So I think what really happened there is that they, they developed a bit more confidence in their outside cornerback depth over the course of training camp when Thomas and Samuel Womack played better. And that allowed them to start thinking about And then they saw Isaiah Oliver and they – they probably were surprised. They thought he was going to be a better cover man. Whatever happened in their evaluation with with Isaiah Oliver didn't pan out there. He's still obviously a good blitzer. He's physical. That They like him for, for certain things, but they said, oh boy, we need a better cover man inside. And thankfully, for the 49ers' sake, they had Ambry Thomas and, and Samuel Womack playing better football on the outside, especially Thomas. And they were able to you know, to to have the flexibility to move Lenore inside and 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 a, and a guy like Deshaun Jamison uh, inside because Jamison started working inside uh, a little bit more at the same time that Diamondo Lenore moved there. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, these seasons are long. There's a lot of practice. There's a lot of trial and error early on because you're not sure what you're going to get each season. But it could very well be that what the 49ers look like by November and December, also thanks to injuries, right? It very well be that we, we do see Deshaun Jamison on the inside because I do think they're going to bring him back to the practice squad. Uh, again, like for all these waiver discussions, you mentioned it at the top, Matt. It's very different to covet a player to your 53-man roster than it is to your 90-man roster. So after the draft, you know, everybody could say, yeah, I have room for this guy on my 90-man. That's great. Let me throw him a $130,000 signing bonus. Let's bring him in. It's a lot different. The opportunity cost is much greater to bring in a player to your 53-man, which is what somebody would have to do to poach a Jack Coletto or a Deshaun Jameson, right? And I think for that reason, the 49ers made these bets, and I think that they're probably going to win these bets. I think that they'll be able to bring Deshaun Jameson back. And um, if they don't, then then they'll definitely be kicking themselves. But if they do, uh, they're going to have a chance to to continue developing him, and and who knows where he's going to be needed. Maybe the fact that he's worked at both outside and slot cornerback will really come in handy for the 49ers. That's true. Um, you know, the, the 49ers did miscalculate a few years ago with uh, DJ Reed. He was he was uh, snapped up very quickly by the Seahawks. Um, the Seahawks uh, just seem to really love to uh, stick it to the 49ers in that regard. And uh, that, like I said, they were one of the teams that were looking at Coletto 
Um, I don't know what their situation is. Uh, with Didn't their they wave Reed early too? Wasn't it an injury designation early? Yeah, that's summer? right. It was, it, but it was another, you know, a case of the 49ers you know, thinking that they could they could bring the guy back, and they yeah. were surprised that. But 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 they but my point is they did it at a time that wasn't a smart time to do it because there were still 90 man rosters in effect. So mm-hmm. Seattle was able to just come in and, and pick him up with with less pressure, right? It, what, what, now everybody's dealing with the 53, so I think it's a lot harder. I think the 49ers definitely learned their lesson, though, from the TJ Reed thing. The, don't expose guys to waivers when 90-man rosters are still in effect because the Seahawks will, will just pick them up to screw you over if they can. Yeah, you're right. I expect both those guys to make it, but those, are, those would be the two guys uh, who were waived on, uh, on Tuesday that I, I think have a chance to, to catch on somewhere else. Um, let's talk about safety. Just four, uh, Talano Hufanga, Deshaun Gibson, George Odom, Jair Brown. Hufanga, Gibson, Odom, we haven't seen those guys in practice uh, for a while. I don't think uh, the 49ers are really concerned about that unit. But, um, you know, just a little bit of uh, uh, trepidation there. And, um, you know, the guys they cut, Quantrez Knight and Miles Hartsfield, Hartsfield, you know, if we had been doing this back in uh, early May, right after the draft, uh, I would have put Hartsfield on the 53-man roster. I mean, he was the one guy who played for Steve Wilkes, got some good versatility, plays nickel, plays safety. But boy, he did not look good in the preseason, and um, I don't even know if he's going to make the practice squad. Quantrez Knight, however, I, I think is a strong candidate for the practice squad. He's also versatile. Uh, and he really showed up in these last two preseason games. Um, he, he was one of their nickel guys early in camp. They had some uh, injuries at safety late in camp. And so they moved him to safety and uh, he played there against the Broncos and the Chargers. And once he got into the game, you knew it because uh, you could hear him from a distance. He was making so many big hits. So uh, you know, personally, I'm hoping that he gets uh, brought up at some point. I just think he's a, a really exciting, versatile player. One of these guys that is sort of a quasi safety cornerback linebacker type that seems to be uh, so in vogue in the league right now. Uh, I just wonder whether he couldn't kind of carve out a permanent spot at some point. Well, we have him on our projected practice squad, by the way, probably a good time to go through that really quickly. Our 16-man projected practice squad, Jack Coletto, Isaiah Winstead, Tay Martin, Willie Sneed the fourth, Chris Conley. The four wide over. receivers. Yeah, yeah. Four, four, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we decided on just because, just because the, they have two injuries on the 53 right now. So maybe they go a little bit heavier on the wideouts. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and for yeah. practices too. I mean, that's uh, – a spot that does a lot of running, obviously. So you, you yeah. need some depth on the scout team. And keep in mind, this is all fungible. This is They're going to rearrange these deck chairs so many times uh, over the course of the season, but just for the initial practice squad. Then moving on to linemen, I have four as well. Leroy Watson, Il Manning, Jason Poe, Joey Fisher. I think with guys like Il Manning and, and Jason Poe, you're dealing with shorter offensive linemen than you normally see in the NFL, but both are athletic as hell. 49ers like both of them. Then then you have Leroy Watson, who's 
Really athletic, really quick feet, but is only a year into his conversion from tight end. They like him too. Then you have Joey Fisher, who was one of the strongest rookies in the NFL this year. He benched more than any other offensive lineman, but he came from a tiny school, Shepherd University in West Virginia, right there on the Potomac River. So uh, Joey Fisher is, is a player who's also very raw. I think they take all four of those guys if they can. Linebackers, Marcelino McCrary-Ball and Curtis Robinson. Uh, and then the DBs, Deshaun Jamison, we just talked about him. Quantrez Knight, you're just talking about him. I think he makes the practice squad. Uh, D-linemen, Marlon Davidson, T.Y. McGill, Alex Barrett. And then the 17th man uh, is Alfredo Gutierrez. Uh, he'll be the international exception. So I, I do think that that's going to be the practice squad. Or uh, you know, We were close on the 53. I think we got a chance, Matt, to, to, to have this practice squad totally nailed. Unless they come in with a outside player which is always possible but that's there's too much to guess right now so those are my 17 if they're picking only from who the guys who were on the team uh before this cut down yeah if we get 17 out of 17 on that we we, we deserve the the gold star there um that list i mean um to me what stands out is that you have all these developmental offensive linemen you got leroy watson you've got il manning you've got Jason Poe, Nick Sakel is in that category too. Um, you know, I, I it's a, it's a nice group, but we were talking about Poe in the same terms last year, and so the question becomes: How do you take this this raw talent and how do you develop it? Um, you know, they're they're going to be on the the scout team and doing this and that, but um, I just wonder how it's possible, you know, without a developmental league, et cetera, for them to really kind of get, um, say, say they want to make Ilm Manning into a center. How do you, between now and the start of next season, uh, get him to the point where you're confident enough that he could be your backup at center? Because it, there's just such a gap between the first five guys on this uh, offensive line and the next five guys. And Chris Furster is obviously very frustrated about the quality that he sees coming out of uh, of college, and um, you know he's not even going to kind of uh, you know Spencer Burford is the big exception here, but usually isn't going to even entertain the notion of uh, a rookie playing right away. Uh, but how do you bridge that gap? And th- that's the question. I don't know if there's a, a great answer to it. But uh, that seems to be one of the challenges facing Furster and the 49ers in the next year. Yeah, no, it's, it, 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 it's, it's a really good question. And that's that tricks of NFL roster management, you know, between how few guys you can actually practice with and play, you know, and, and, and give that legitimate time and then guys that you're developing, it always becomes a challenge to bridge that gap how about we move on to special teams for the 49ers they took jake moody Tabor pepper and mitch wishnowski that was expected those three zane gonzalez i mean you know one of the twists of this cut down day matt was that the 49ers had over the months built up the the power it it seemed option power to, to be sellers in this kicker department on cut down day and then all it took was one calf injury during warm-ups of week three for the backup kicker, Zane Gonzalez, for the 49ers to become buyers. Well, it also took a Jake Moody injury, but they weren't able to be sellers anymore 
once they uh, once Zane Gonzalez got hurt, they had to put him on injured reserve today. So they're probably going to reach an injury settlement with Zane, and and he'll probably be able to kick somewhere else this year. But the 49ers won't get anything back for him. By the way, I think since he didn't make the fifty three man roster, there's there is no pick swap with Carolina. That was a conditional pick swap of seventh rounders, so that that's null and void. But the 49ers probably are going to make a move to insulate themselves a kicker, maybe with somebody on the practice squad, right? Um, so maybe our practice squad needs to account for that. But I, I, I don't know yet, you know, uh, exactly where, where Jake Moody's at. But they have to take into account the fact that Moody is a strained quad. And they did take into account the fact that Zane Gonzalez is a strained calf. They weren't able to trade him, even though the kicker market was hot today. And they put him on IR instead. Yeah, and I think uh, maybe what they do tomorrow will indicate how long they think Moody is out. If it's if it's a while, then maybe they go after the uh, the established veteran there. And, and no, I don't think it's going to be Robbie Gold. I, I just don't think that they have the the cap space for that. And, and, and Robbie's probably interested in a year long job somewhere, not just a temporary one. Um, but if they, you know, sign uh, Viscaino to the practice squad, um, that would indicate to me that they think that Moody either has a shot at Pittsburgh or that Pittsburgh is probably the only game he's going to miss with this with this quad strain. So, um, and we're also going to talk to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch tomorrow afternoon, so we should get the uh, the details on that at that time. But yeah, I mean that's not the way that they had planned it. They it was so smart that they way that they planned it um, on paper, but uh, <laughs> that's what happens in the NFL. And that that was the issue with with Zane Gonzalez. I mean, Zane Gonzalez would have a full time job somewhere if he didn't get injured. I mean, he's good on kickoffs and he's good on field goals. He gets injured a lot, and lo and behold, his one kind of uh, you know moment to show himself off. He uh, he strains his calf, so um, you know that's that's been the book on him. And I'm sure I'm sure there is uh, at least one or two teams out there that feel like they dodged a bullet with that because um, I think the 49ers would have been able to trade him. There were a lot of buyers today, uh, but uh, that's not going to happen. Absolutely, today was uh, the day of the kicker market and the 49ers weren't able to get in on the party. Anyway, that is the 53 man roster. We went through all of it and we're going to have more updates because that practice squad has to be formed. Now we're going to talk to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch on Wednesday. So we're all locked loaded and almost ready to go for the season, Matt. Uh, Obviously the Nick Bosa situation is something that we're going to be covering as closely as we can. Uh, There just is radio silence coming from the 49ers and Nick Bosa's camp. At this point, we could talk about the dynamics, uh, all that we want, but we just uh, need to sit back and wait because the dynamics are the dynamics. And now the contract actually has to get done. Anyway, uh, it's been fun. That's the 49ers 53 man roster. Happy to bring you a live room. We'll be back with more of these very soon, maybe here over the course of the next week before the 49ers play Pittsburgh. For Matt Barrows, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to everyone next time. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. 
From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.